What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing this morning? <clears throat> Look, I know it's rainy. I, I know everybody's in the gloom. We got to do that a little bit better. How you doing, Victory Church? Let me hear you this morning. There we go. People a little bit more awake. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us today, we want to say welcome. So glad you chose today. You're going to see why so many things. I feel like every Sunday, or put it like this, I feel like the next Sunday is always the best Sunday at Victory Church. You believe that? Next Sunday is always the best Sunday. So if you're here today, we believe you are on the, you're here on the best Sunday so far of the church. And so I'm excited for you to be here. Um, I want to just real quick share something because this is coming up and we're super pumped about this. So at Victory, we, we are about four things. Going, or I'm sorry, growing, guiding, giving, and going. Growing, guiding, giving, and going. You'll see it on the banners in the hallway. Let me kind of explain them a little bit. So growing is growing in God. So we want you to know God. And, and we go on in different things that we want you to grow in. We want you to guide. We want to be, we see you guided to freedom. Uh, we want you to give, give in your talent, give in your time, give in your tithe, things like that. And then we want you to go make a difference. And so that guiding, one of the ways that we guide people to freedom is through small groups. And we believe that when you get into relationships, um, and both in the dream team or in the actual small groups, you have an opportunity to meet with people, build relationships, find freedom. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up is because the next two Sundays, the 17th of February and the 24th of February, we will have an opportunity for you to sign up for this semester of small groups. And so what will happen is we'll give you a little bit of information and then you'll go out after the services and the leaders of those small groups will be in the lobby and you'll have the opportunity to meet them, ask questions, get a little information about their group. And then if that's the group that interests you in both the time and the subject and, and the demographics and all of that, then that's an opportunity for you to find a group of people and what we would say guide to freedom. The other way of that is dream team, which you heard Malcolm just say that step three happens today, and it doesn't matter where you are. If you've never been to one, if you've done one but you hadn't done two, you can go in today and learn more about that. And regardless, you find that small group of people that we believe is going to help guide you in your relationship with God. So you're going to hear a lot about that. But there's going to be so many cool small groups. I was looking at some of the things that are happening. We've got groups that are wrapped around actual Bible studies. So I think it's the book of Ephesians is one of the groups is doing this time. We have another group that focuses more on book study. And so it's a little bit more subject. We have one group that actually walks, all right? That's what they do. They walk together and they talk about Jesus. So not only are you getting spiritually fed, but you're getting uh, physically in shape. Can I get an amen, right? That's what I want. I want to go to a small group and be put on a Peloton bike. That's what I want, you know, to get me in shape and with Jesus. Uh, we have, uh, he's going to launch a very first, for the first time, a woman's small group that's specifically for women. We're excited about that because we know that the women run a church, amen? Who runs the world? Okay, just make sure. All the guys are like, what just happened? Oh, <clears throat> Um, another thing I'm excited about, you're here, to, here again, all the details, is what we call victory groups. And we've been training leaders for this. And victory groups is one of those things, whether you are new to faith and you're trying to figure out how to be discipled and what that looks like, or whether you're just trying to honestly get out of some bondage and, and some chains in your life, you want to find freedom, victory groups is for you. There's just so many cool groups. And so there's really no reason for you to be a part of one of them. And so over the next couple weeks, check them out, go out there, meet the people, sign up. And so that you can find your group. Amen? Amen. You ready for the word? Yes. Hey, if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, chapter 10. Luke, chapter 10. If you have your paper Bible, you'll find it Matthew, Mark, then Luke. If you don't, feel free to look it on your phone. We actually have the notes on the app. And then if none of that suits you, 
the screen, the, the verses will be behind me on the screen. And so you can follow along that way. We want you to be able to read the actual scriptures that we are reading. So as Pastor Brian alluded to, we're in a series called Scary Close, where we have been talking about how to balance out our relationships, okay? Every one of us deal with relationships on a daily basis. You're either dealing with your parents, or you're dealing with your spouse, or you're dealing with who you're dating, or you're dealing with your baby daddy, or you're dealing with your mom, or your dad, or your boss, or your coworker. You're, you're dealing with somebody on a daily basis. Amen? <clears throat> and there's never a moment that you're not dealing with a relationship. And if you're going to live your best life, your relationships need to be healthy. That's just, that's just fact. If you have unhealthy relationships, you are not going to be at the highest level of your life. And so we've been kind of walking through that. And if you were here for the first week, we talked about right off the bat, in order for you to have a healthy relationship, you have to be healthy. It's not just about them. It's about you. And once you have a healthy uh, identification of who you are and who you are in God, then you can move forward. Because if we're not healthy, every relationship we get in is about them completing us, right? And that's unhealthy. And then last week, we talked about how to deal with the people who suck the life out of you, right? We talked about difficult people and how you deal with them. Because guess what? They do exist, and we talked about knowing the difference between someone who the enemy has sent to exhaust you and someone who God has sent to equip you. And that's important for you to understand. And we talked about Mary and Martha and their relationship and Jesus and Judas, his relationship. And this morning I want to talk to you about why it's so important to not be alone. Why it's so important for you to have people around you. Why it's so, uh, just, I'll, just, I'll stay with the word important. It's so important for you to have close godly relationships. And we're going to do that by looking at a fictional relationship, all right? I know that's kind of weird, like, what, that doesn't make sense. So in Luke chapter 10, there's a conversation going on with Jesus and some other people, okay? <clears throat> and this guy says, hey, Jesus, what are the two greatest commandments? And Jesus says the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. He went on to say every commandment can be put together in those two categories, because if we'll love God, and we'll love people as ourselves. we'll automatically do all the other commandments, right? And so the guy says, now wait a minute, <clears throat> you said love my neighbor as myself, who's my neighbor? You know, he, if, if y'all grew up watching Mr. Rogers, you know that concept, like who, who is my neighbor? He's asking this question. And so then Jesus comes up with what the Bible says, of, they call it a parable, okay? For us, it's an illustration or a story that he kind of makes up, and he, he, he makes up fictional characters that were probably based on real people, you know what I mean, but they changed the name to protect the innocent kind of thing. And, and he delivers this story <clears throat> to really set the tone on what godly relationships are supposed to look like. And I want to take you through it, <clears throat> all right? Luke chapter 10, verse 30, verse 35, just five verses. If you've, been at church, if you've been in church for a while, you might know this story as the Good Samaritan. If, if you don't know that, it doesn't matter. That, you don't need to know that necessarily. But if you grew up and you did the whole felt board at church, you might know what the Good Samaritan is. So here we go. In reply to that guy saying, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. So our boy, he's not having a good day. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the same place and saw the same man, he passed by on the other side. 
But a Samaritan, here's our good Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, and he went to him, and watch this, he bandaged his wounds, he poured out oil and wine on him, then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii. Denarii would have been, two denarii would have, it's money. It would have been the same as a a day's wages, a day's paycheck for you. So he took two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. So he got him at Airbnb is what that says. And then he said, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. So Jesus sets up this illustration, this, this parable, this fictional story to try and show us what it looks like to have godly relationship. And right off the bat, you can see that it's bad to be alone. I mean, think about it. Our boy here is not in this situation if he's not alone. What I think is interesting, that path from Jerusalem to Jericho, although this is a fictional story, Jesus used a non-fictional location. Because that process from Jerusalem to Jericho was very real. It was an 18-mile downhill hike. They actually referred to it as the Way of Blood. And here's why. Because it was very abandoned, and it had uh, desert-type ground and mountains and different things. And it was known, that area was known for thieves and robbers to hide and try to rob people when they were walking down, right? So it's kind of like downtown of any major city. And so they, when people would walk down, they'd have that opportunity to rob them. So Jesus used an actual location to give them the understanding of the story. And here's what they would have said. Why is he there alone? Why would you? Y'all all know there's places you don't go by yourself. You know what I mean? Darla would tell me sometimes we lived in Memphis. She's like, yeah, me and so-and-so. I was like, why'd y'all go there? You don't go there without me. You know what I mean? That's dangerous. Like, and so these people would have said, why is he there alone? And because of that, he got beaten and he got stripped. And listen. Life is trying to beat us down and strip us of our identity, strip us of who we are in God, strip us of everything. And it's important that we don't do it alone. When I was in middle school, I was really small and really dorky, okay? So there's not much difference in then and now. But um, I, I just got picked on a lot. And I'll never forget there was this guy and, and, and I'm trying to think, if, if y'all know who Mr. Ed is, who plays the acoustic back here, but he's real tall. This guy was in sixth grade. He was as tall as Mr. Ed, all right? That's what I'm talking about. Like, and he just, he had long hair and glasses, and his name was Danny. And you didn't mess with Danny. And I ended up make, being friends with Danny. And so everywhere I would go, people would try to pick on me until I became friends with Danny. Because Danny became my shadow. And if I came into the kitchen or the cafeteria and Danny was behind me, people all of a sudden didn't mess with me. And let me tell you this story, and it's not spiritually good, and you're probably going to be like, I wish I wouldn't have brought my kids into church. That's why we have V kids. But, but let me explain. So we're in school one day. I went to Craigmont High School in Memphis, Tennessee. Don't, you don't have to really cover his ears. That's embarrassing. And so um, we're in school. Malcolm, he's like, I know, Troy. Uh, and so... We're in school, and this kid walks up to me. I had these bag of M&Ms, and I had this brand-new necklace that I had just got from the thing in the middle of the mall so that it was probably made of straight aluminum, you know. And so I'm holding the M&Ms, and the guy goes and grabs them. When he grabs them, he grabs my necklace and breaks my necklace. And I was like, whoa. And, you know, he started saying some bad things to me. And literally out of nowhere, we were in school. We had those trays, you know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, a tray came, boom, and just got him right in the face. And that was Danny. Danny was taken up for me. See what I'm talking wasn't a good story, I'm sorry. But I'm just saying, Danny was there. I was in the hood. I was raised in the hood. And so 
But that's what I mean. Like you just, it's, there's an importance. There's, there's something good about having godly people, which Danny wasn't at the time. But it's about having good, good people. I should, should have left that story out of the sermon. Um, good relationships in your life. Because listen, it's really bad if we get alone, y'all. It's really bad. Because number one, the enemy likes to say a lot of things to us, right? And sometimes we need good people around us to encourage us, to equip us, to remind us of who we are in God and what God said, and all these kind of things. So it's very important for you and I to not be alone. And so here's how. I want to give you just a couple steps of why and how we process healthy relationships into our life so that we can experience God the best way in our life. Number one is this. Understand that busyness is our enemy. Busyness is our enemy. When this story kicks off, verse 34, 35, or, or I'm sorry, 31, 32, you, you get these other two guys that Jesus has put into the story, the Levite and the priest, and it says they're walking and they see this guy and they choose to go around him. And so here are these guys, they're busy, they're distracted, and they totally miss out on this opportunity of relationship. And I thought it was so interesting that Jesus included them in the story because Jesus was never too busy for relationship. You follow him all throughout the gospel. He was never too busy for relationship. So I think it's interesting that he added two people, specifically one spiritual person, in the story who was too busy and too distracted to be involved in this man's life. Think about it. Jesus had a little over three years to save the world. Okay? He had to... uh, operate in his ministry, perform miracles, disciple, raise up men and women of God. He had to uh, be arrested, be crucified, die, and resurrect, and he had a little over three years. If anybody had an excuse to be busy, Jesus did. There should have been so many parts in the Bible where we read Jesus said, hey, I really want to help you, but I can't right now because the brother going to die in a couple years. You know what I mean? Like there should have been that kind of conversation. But you never see that. Jesus would stop for the woman at the well, and he would stop for the woman with the issue of blood, and he would stop for Jairus' daughter, and he would constantly stop doing business for relationship. He was never too busy for people. He was never too busy for intimacy because he understood, watch this, that his business was relationship. I'm going to tell you something I've never been more confident in my life. As Christians, our business is relationship. The only reason why God didn't whoop me right when I got saved is for relationship. If, if, if it, think about it. I'm going to sin and mess up. So if God, the moment I said Jesus saved me, he should have went whoop, and I should have been gone. Just whoop, gone. But he said, I'm going to leave you for relationship. And I'm gonna, as I walk through this sermon, you're going to see why. It was so important. It was, that was his business. But you and I, we live today in a culture of busyness. Everybody's just busy, right? Anybody here exhausted? I'm just, anybody, it's just exhausted. You know when you walk up to somebody like, hey, how was your week? And they go, you know, like, it's just, this ain't going to be good. Like, they are, they are exhausted. We're all double booked. Right? You're always like, yeah, hey, let's do that. Oh, wait, I already got some. We're just constantly canceling. We're so busy. Why? Why are we so busy? I started thinking about this week. Like, why are we so busy? I came up with four reasons, and there's more than four, but I came up with four that I thought everybody in this room we could kind of fit in. And and number one is my favorite. Because busy is sexy, right? Busy is, it's, it's cool to be important. It looks cool to have a full calendar. I remember when I first got in ministry, I could, I, if I had a day where I wasn't meeting somebody, I thought I wasn't saved. You know what I mean? Like I needed, I needed to be able to, I had to be cool. I had to be meeting with somebody. It just, it makes us feel important when we're busy. 
If we're at home every night, we must not have friends, right? That's kind of the process. Maybe we just need to be parents. But it's just one of those things where we, we have to feel important so we're busy. Another reason is it's job security. Because if the person who works right beside you is busy, then you better be busy. Because what if they get the job or the, 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 the raise that I don't get because I'm not as busy, so we're constantly competing. I'm busier than you. You're busier than me. We're, it's job security. Then I thought there's FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. I want to be, I just want to be a part of everything. I don't want to miss anything. Some of us have a problem when we see on social media that somebody went to dinner with a group of friends and we weren't invited. It's like, what is happening right now? I'm missing out. Like, th- all they talked about the entire time was movies and stale popcorn. Like, you know, it wasn't even worth going, but you were, I missed out. Like, we want to be a part of everything. And here's what I've learned about being busy. In the beginning of the week, it's always exciting. But in the middle of it, it's exhausting. Right? You ever done that? At the beginning of the week, I'll be like, oh, yeah, let's meet Monday night. I'll meet with you Tuesday. We'll meet. And then come Monday, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Who am I going to do with all these people? You know what I mean? Because it, it's just, I, wanna, I just want to be a part. I want to be a part of everything. And then for some of us, let's be honest, it's necessity. Some of us, we're single moms. We're single dads. Some of us, we got two and three jobs. Some of us, we got kids that are in 47,000 sports, and they're not good at any of them. You know? And we're just, choo, 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 choo. and we don't really want to be busy, but it's a necessity. And so we sit down at the end of the week and go, I'm exhausted. And here's what I've learned about our culture today. Most of us, we are involved in everything, but invested in nothing. In I got my hand in everything, but I'm focused and, and fixing and working on nothing. We're, we're engaged but we're empty, right? We're, we're busy, but we're by ourselves. And in 2019, we have found out how to trade smiles for statuses. We've learned how to trade conversations for comments, love for likes. We're busy. We're just super busy. But in the process, we've lost out on relationship. Genesis chapter 2, God creates us. He creates man. He creates Adam. And did you know that after he created Adam, he gave him a job, gave him something to do? So all of our kids that are 18, 19, 22 years old live in the basement, that's ungodly. Like, you need to get a job. Adam got a job at, I guess, one, right? He was created, had a job. He gave him the job of naming all the animals. He gave him a job. He, gave, he, he made him busy. But there's literally a verse, Genesis 2, 18, where, where God looks at him and he evaluates man. And it's, you would think he would evaluate man and say this, whoo, he's not effective enough. He's not working hard enough. He's not busy enough. He needs to be more active. He looked at man, evaluated man, and said, it's not good for man to be active. It's not good for man to not be popular. It's not good for man to not be involved. No, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. God is not concerned with how active we are. He's concerned with how alone we are. You can be busy all you want. God's not impressed. But is there intimate relationship in your life? Are you fulfilled in relationships? Because if you're not, you have gone all the way back pre-Eve and found yourself alone. I was studying for this message and I found this story. I thought it was pretty cool. In, um, I think it was Princeton Theological Seminary, so it was like in the 70s, they gathered a bunch of 
So seminary is kind of like Bible college. So they gathered a bunch of Bible college students, and they got them together, and they gave them a job to learn, or I'm sorry, to prep a lesson kind of like this on the Good Samaritan, on the same story that we're looking at, okay? So they, they got them together and said, hey, prepare this lesson on the Good Samaritan. And so they did. Then they told them, they said, you're going to take a, a test on this, but it's going to be located in a different building on our property. So we're in this building, right? And you're preparing your lesson on the Good Samaritan, which y'all just read the verses, so you know what it's about. And then in this other building across the campus, you've got a test on it. So they took about half the room, so we'll just say this half. And they said, hey, here's the deal. We're super early, um, and you can't really get there early. So, hey, you're dismissed, but take your time. Stop, get you a Starbucks, right, and smell the flowers. Just have a good time because you got 10, 15, 20 minutes before class even starts, okay? That's what they told half the class. Then they told the other half of the class, you are late, all right? You are super late. You are like 15 minutes late. So when we dismiss you, run, don't get coffee, don't smell flowers, get there, and hurry up and get there, all right? So what the classes didn't know is in between the building they were in and the building they were going to, they had strategically placed people who were presenting themselves as in need. Some of them presented themselves coughing. Some of them looked like they had been beaten up. And they were all over the campus. And what they were wondering is, will the students actually stop to help them after they have studied the story of the Good Samaritan? So watch this. Out of the 100% who were sent out early, 63% of them stopped and helped them. Still kind of bad, but, you know, it is what it is. Out of the 100% of people who were in a hurry, 10% stopped and helped them. So what they were saying is that when we're busy, when we're in a hurry, we lack a desire for intimate relationship. When we're busy, we don't see people. We, we, we go right past the need. I love the Bible always says Jesus noticed them. When you're busy, you don't notice people. When you're busy, and this happens all the time in the church world, there's times where I have to stop and go, whoa, whoa, we've been so busy, we've had birthdays and Super Bowl parties, and it had been so busy, we just need to settle down. One of my favorite moments uh, yesterday, actually, I got to go take my kids to this climb place in Murfreesboro and had fun with them because we've been so busy, I wanted time with them. And I'll never forget this story, and I wanted to share it with you. When you work in the church, and some of you have jobs this way, there really isn't ever really a day off. And let me kind of explain that. There's always another Sunday. So if I was to finish the sermon for today, some of you are like, yeah, we don't have pity for you, but just listen to me. If I was to finish the sermon for today, I could always start writing the sermon for the next week. You know what I mean? If, if I was done planning the event that's coming up, we could always start planning the next event. So there's, you really could justify to always be working. So it's, it's a really difficult thing to, to learn how to take. This is why the Bible is so clear about a Sabbath, so, so big on a Sabbath. So one particular day, I want to say it was a Wednesday, and my wife had planned to take our daughters to the SOAC. It's, a, it's called Smyrna Outdoor Adventure Center. Take them there for some, some different fun, climbing, all these different things. And she originally planned it to get them out of the house so I could sermon prep. That was kind of the, plan, the mindset. And so um, luckily, I had just, God was just really speaking to me in my prayer time, and I kind of got the sermon done early. And so it was done before the day came. But I thought, oh, man, this is a great time for me to get ahead so that I'm not sending the media team, my media, on Saturday night. Like, that'd be great, right, for me to kind of get ahead. And so I'm working. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm getting ready to work. Got my headphones in. And she's getting ready to leave. She got both girls in the car, so it's already been a disaster. And she comes in. She opens the door. And she looks at me. She goes, and she said something. So I took up my headphones. She goes, do you want to go? And I was like, babe, no, I'm I'm busy. I got to do this work. And she was like, you know, she didn't do anything to me. She said, okay. She closed the door. 
And I'm like, I'm guess, I don't know what she was doing, but clear as day, the Spirit of God said, what you busy doing? Uh, and I kind of had this conversation. I'm like, I'm busy working. He's like, that's your family. And so I, I had gotten up to go get something out of the kitchen, and in that process, I just felt God tell me, you better go. You better go. And here's what he said to me. Why do you think I let you finish that sermon early? You know what I mean? We always want to get ahead. We always want to be busy. And I'm telling you, I got in the car. They were, everybody was so surprised. We went. We had a great time. And I, I felt fulfilled. And I even had some healing in my spirit because I wasn't at home being busy. I was in relationship. So busyness is our enemy. That's point one because of this point two, because people are our healing. Busyness is your enemy because people are your healing. Let me show you. James chapter 5, three verses, 13 through, or four, 13 through 16. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? A lot of them. Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Now watch this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. People are our healing. When we don't have time for relationship, we are missing out on two opportunities. Number one, the opportunity to be healed. Number two, the opportunity to be used in helping other people find their healing. So anytime you're too busy for relationship, anytime you've robbed yourself of godly friendship, anytime you've lost intimacy in different areas of relationship, you have missed out on an opportunity to either A, be healed, or B, be a part of healing. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer out loud because we don't have that kind of time. Every time that you've been in a dark place in your life, did you have people close to you or had you distanced yourself? Because it never fails. The moment the enemy begins to talk to us, we start to distance those that are, represent God in our life. We do it for different reasons. But the reason the enemy does it is because he knows people are our healing. And I'm going to open something up to you in this message that changed my life. People are our healing. Hear me. Here's the message of Victory Church. We don't fix people so we can be with them. It's not what we're about. That wasn't God's purpose. We don't fix people so we can be with them. We're with people so God can use us for them to be healed. You don't find, oh, let me fix you so I can be with you. No, let me be with you so that in this relationship, you and I both can find healing. See what I mean? Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Bobby right over here in this area. I don't want to embarrass him, but... Um, Kind of been one of the pillars of the church since we launched the church. And if you know Bobby, he literally, they should name him Bobby Smyrna Goings. You know what I mean? He just, he knows everything about Smyrna. Like everybody I've ever met in my life knows Bobby, which sometimes is scary and sometimes makes sense. And um, a few, I don't, I don't remember the exact time frame, it was a few weeks ago or so, his dad passed away. And it was, it was a tough process, and I'm going to read a little bit about it in a minute. But after, after he had kind of gotten through the whole process, he emailed me a testimony about that process, and I just wanted to read it to you because it supports the concept in which I'm talking about. So just real briefly, he said it and he gives some context. He says, my dad recently suffered an illness which ended up with many complications, and the Lord called him home on December 15th. He had been in poor health for several years, but not to the point where I thought he would pass away, but I know God has each of our days numbered, the first and the last, and I know my God is faithful 
And he's always good, even in tough times. That's why he's a pillar. Watch this. As soon as all of this began, my small group rallied to my side. Prayers, phone calls, text, visits, food, sharing scriptures that God had brought to them in their quiet time, and they sent them to me. And as the days in the hospital grew longer, the more this group cared for me and my family. They brought us snack baskets to the hospital. They visited my family at Centennial, prayed over us and my dad, cried with us, hugged on us, loved on us. And as I was overwhelmed by the love and generosity of my small group, I told them how grateful I was to them. Their response, you are family, and that's what family does. I was, and I am still overwhelmed with tears as I share this. Just when I was at a low point, I would get a call or a text, just checking on you, brother, or had you held my heart, prayed for you and your family. So on a Thursday, visited in the CC waiting room. My family and my small group family were like old friends immediately because of that kindred spirit in Jesus. He goes on to say, I serve in first impressions at Victory. That's the dream team he's a part of. Went through growth track, that concept. He said, I love this area. I've had the honor of serving under Malcolm and Andrea. Many, many calls and texts, prayers. What do you need? What can we do? Have you ate today? How's your mom? They had not even met my family. But my heart smiled that they were not only asking how to help me, but they were asking about my family. Two precious nurses, Leona Pruitt and Megan Bricado, who serve in First Impressions, and our nurses at the hospital took care of my daddy and loved on us too. Yes, my heart and my family's hearts are broken, but oh, how my brothers and sisters in Christ lifted me, carried me, encouraged me, and prayed for me. How I love our great God and how I love Victory Church. Hashtag more 2019. People are our healing. And when we rob ourselves of that, that was never his agenda. But to be able to have that kind of outpouring from a small group and then a ministry area that he served in together. People are our healing. When you go through stuff, I know people say, hey, pray about it. Here's a verse. But, but what brings us the most is people, right? So watch this. I thought this was so unique that in this story that Jesus made up, he does four things. Watch this. Verses 34 and 35. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, poured out oil and wine, put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. So he does four things right off the bat. First thing he does is he bandaged his wounds. He served him. He served him. When you surround yourself with people, when you surround yourself with great relationships, people are there to serve you. Every weekend, those of you that are sitting in here right now, maybe you're checking out the church, every weekend there's a group of about 100 people who serve you. They serve you. They set up. They tear down. They serve food. They open doors. They watch your kids. They teach your kids. They do all. They serve you. They serve you because that's what friends do. Friends serve one another, right? He bandaged his wounds. The next thing he did is he poured out oil and wine. That would, or, yeah, that would have been kind of like hydrogen peroxide at that time. He was protecting him. Friends protect one another, right? I know it shouldn't be with a cafeteria uh, tray, but, 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 but friends protect one another. When someone talks bad about you, they step up and protect you. When you're going through something, they got your back, as a friend, you're protecting one another. Next, he takes him, he lifts him up, puts him on the back of the donkey, takes him onto an inn. Friends, uplift each other. 
Let me pray for you, brother. What do you need? Let me encourage you. They uplift each other. And then he paid for the hotel because friends resource one another. So watch this. When you have a group of godly friends, people who are in your life to encourage you, you can guarantee that you will see them serving you at some point, protecting you at some point, uplifting you at some point, and even resourcing you. What do you need? Maybe you need some groceries? What do you need? Let me, let me help you. Because this is what friends do. And here's what I love about it. If I was to reread Bobby's story, you can see all four of these in the testimony. Moments where people served him. What do you need? We're bringing it. Moment where people protected him. What can I do? I'm praying for your family. I'm protecting. I'm uplifting. I'm encouraging. I'm bringing you food. I'm resourcing you. This is what the enemy has robbed us of. But don't be confused. It's serve one another. Because when you have a group of friends, sometimes you're being served and sometimes you're doing the serving. That's what it's about. Sometimes you're protecting them and sometimes they're protecting you. Sometimes you're uplifting them and then when you're down, they're uplifting you. Sometimes, hey brother, I got this meal. And then next time, hey, can you get this meal? Because this is how it works. And this is how God designed it. And this is why Jesus modeled this three and a half years. Jesus, what are you going to do? you got three and a half years to change the world. What are you going to do? Should you do a thousand miracles? Should you put up billboards? Should we get some type of campaign? Let's do what Obama and Trump did. Let's do a campaign and get buttons and talk about how Jesus is the change. Let's do all. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Give me 12 guys. Give me 12 people. Give me a small group of people. And I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll serve them, I'll protect them, I'll uplift them, and I'll resource them. And you guarantee I'll change the world through them. Because I'll teach them to do the same thing with other people. The, listen, we have, we have abused the concept of the church. Yes, you are supposed to come in and be fed by the word of God. Yes, you are supposed to experience worship. But church exists so that you could have relationship. That's why it started. That's what it was supposed to be about. The old church wasn't this. It was in people's houses. It was people meeting together because they understood that if they read the word of God, they would be created into a friend that would serve, protect, uh, uplift, and resource. This was the model all along. But we've allowed the enemy to come up behind us and snatch it out. Why? Why, why, why don't you go to small group? Why don't you do this? Why don't you, why have you, when's the last time you guys got together with some friends and just had some tacos? Right? Just chatted. I can't. I'm busy. Wow. What are you busy doing? Well, it's a necessity. I understand. But let me tell you what else is a necessity. Man, I don't want to miss out. Who cares? But, but it's attractive. I understand. But if you don't put this principle into your life, the next time the enemy comes after you on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, you'll be alone and he'll beat you and strip you. I say this, you do not get to choose what you go through in life, but you do get to choose who you go through it with. And that's important, church. It's really important that you understand the business is your enemy because people are your healing. And then this, because together we are encouraged. Let me just show you how sweet God is. Y'all better appreciate this because I spent a lot of time studying on this. Y'all better appreciate this. Hebrews 10, 23, 25. Watch this. 
Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How we what? How we what? What was the word? Spur. You know what a spur is? A little, little star on the bottom of it, and they just kind of hit the horse. And, woo, right? You know, they're also the sand, and also a really poor basketball team right now, the Spurs. Okay, so I'm sorry. And so we spur. We must spur one another on. How, how, how do I spur you on? Come on, get to it. How do I spur you on? I serve, protect, uplift, and resource you. In case you couldn't follow along, S P U R. I spur, that's how I spur you. I spur you when I serve you. I spur you when I protect you. I spur you when I uplift you. And I spur you when I resource you. How do you turn around and spur me when you serve me and protect me and uplift me and resource me? We are to spur each other along. And then he goes on to say this. So jump back to that verse real quick for me. He goes on to say this. He says, do not, do not give up on meeting together. Don't give up on meeting together. Don't quit going to church. Don't quit going to small group. Don't quit going to dream team parties and dream team care. Don't quit being together. Because if you get alone, it's amazing what the enemy will tell you when you are alone. Be together. When I was not saved but wanting to go to church, um, it was always hard to get to church in the morning. Y'all ever have that problem coming here? It's just hard. Like, you wake up, you're tired, right? You didn't go to bed until late last night, and your clothes don't match, and they're wrinkled, and you really wanted to wear that dress, but, you know, New Year's ain't doing good for you, and so the dress don't look right, and, uh, and that was the guy. And so then, um, and so, so then, you know, the car, tired of kids, don't even get me started on the kids, and it's just hard to get to church. But then when you leave church, you always say, I'm what? So glad I came. And, of course, that's because of the word, and, of course, it's because of worship. I'm not the kind of guy that I, I do this for a living. I believe in the importance of preaching and worship. But I'm telling you right now, if it was just you and us, there'd be something missing. Something about relationship, friendship. I used to say this. People come to church, and they experience it, but on Monday they forget all this. You know what keeps people coming back faithfully? The relationships. It's just what it is. It's just important. So, so let, me t- let me tell you this, and I'll be done. I spent all week going, all right, God, answer me something. Why are relationships so spiritual? Because I know some of y'all personally, and y'all know me, and you know what I mean? So, like, so, so, so why is it that when we're together, something, I, I'm, I'm kind of confused. Like, I wanted more. Like, I get it. You can spur one another on, right? I mean, I get it. But I can go listen to podcasts of Tony Robbins and be, and be whatever his name is, and be spurred on. Like, so, so I mean, what, what is it? What is it really about relationships that are so special, so spiritual, so intimate? What, what is it that makes them so unique? Why do I need godly relationships in my life? What is it? I was spending days praying, walking, praying. What is it? What is it? What is it? And out of nowhere... The Lord reminded me of this conversation. And I, I tried to remember. Somebody in here told me this. And you're going to see how crazy they are when you hear the story. I unfortunately don't remember which one of you it is uh, because I tried to forget the story because it's crazy. So um, bear with me if it was anybody in here. You go, oh, I told you that. Somebody came to me one day and they said, hey, have you ever thought about the fact that we've never seen our face? Random, right? My first thought was, is this person a serial killer? You know? And so we talked about it for a second. I'm like, I guess. And he goes, he goes, he goes, it was a guy. He goes, think about it. 
we've never, we've never actually, he said, we'll, we'll, we'll never actually see our, unless we get in like a face-off part two, right, with Nicolas Cage, I don't know about that. And so unless we get our face cut off and we're looking at it, um, like we, we never actually see our face. And so we created what? Mirrors. And we see a reflection. I never thought about this, but the guy was saying like, it's not, it's not really how other people see us. You know, it's, it's a reflection. Like, like there, there's bits and pieces of it, but there are things that are a little different. He told me that, and I thought, that's okay. That's absolutely useless information, but okay. And, and so the Lord brought that back to my mind. I thought, God, you're just as crazy as he is. <laughs> like, oh, is this really the conversation we're having this morning? And I started thinking more about it. He said, he said we created mirrors so that we could see a reflection of something that we'll never be able to see while here. But, but we wanted to see some of it because it makes us feel better when we can see ourselves and put makeup on or, like I said, address our clothes. Or, so, so, so we created a, a, something that would give us a reflection. It's not 100%, but it is a reflection of something that we can't see while we're here. Like, I, what does that mean? And then I remember 2 Corinthians 3.18. All of us then reflect the glory of the Lord. So watch this. Can, can, y'all come here. Come here. And y'all too come here. I know this is so embarrassing. I'm sorry. This is come, come, come on stage real quick. Come on stage real quick. You can do whatever you like, get on stage. Whatever you want. I mean, yeah, be eh, whatever. Y'all don't have to do that. Y'all go over here, sweet ladies, and y'all go up the stage. Okay, okay. So, so this is why people don't sit near the front row, all right? Because this happens way too often. Okay, so so hey, hey y'all. I only got a few more minutes. Y'all wanna make that clear? Y'all want me want me to get you a cinnamon roll while y'all taking all that? Man, y'all just chit-chatting. All right, so come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay, okay, so so check this out. So, so Serve, serving one another, protecting one another, uplifting one another, resourcing one another. Get close. Come close to me. Act like you like me. All right, so, so you got this group of friends, right? This is, this is my small group. This is my dream team. This is my group of friends. These are the people that, that I talk to during the week and people that text me, people I hang out with. I've created this group of friends. And sometimes he serves me, right, because this guy can make and do absolutely anything in the world. So, so one, I found out the other day he sews. Look at him. He looks like he could like chop a tree with his hand and he sews, you know what I mean? And so you're like, so okay, so he could he could serve me. And then I find out that, that you know Debbie was praying for me. She takes me, so she's protecting me, right? And then I find out that, that Melanie, she, she sends me a text, she encourages me, now she's uplifting me. And then I find out that Dallas, because he's rich, he sends me a check, says, man, let me take you to lunch, and he resources me. He's not really rich, don't think that. But but I start to, and so my friends are spurring me, and one week Nick's serving me, but, but you know, then the next week, Melanie's serving me. And that week, Nick's protecting me. And I've created these people that spur me on right right now watch this the spirit of God said listen here's what's so sweet about it is when you gather these people around you they are a reflection of Christ so this is the closest I get to God while I'm here it's not a hundred percent because they got problems too but God uses them and in moments of conversation and in moments of being together and laughing and eating cheese dip and all these, there's just moments of reflection where I get to see God in you. And you get to see God in me. I get to see God in you and God in you. Think about the incredibleness of this. God, why is this so special to me? Because we know you don't find five more screwed up people than this right here, all right? <laughs> Except for maybe you. But... I know this about me. What's, why, why is this so special? Because we are reflections of God and the glory of God. So when we surround our people, we surround ourselves with the right people, we're surrounded by 
God. That's why we can get together and have dinner and leave so encouraged. Go see a movie and hang out and feel so blessed. Send a text message and our whole day's better. Because God says, listen, I made you and them in my image. Why would he do that? I don't physically look like God. I mean, I'm not saying I don't look like a God. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. It's a bad joke. If Darla was here, she'd be like, shut up. But the understanding that this is why I need relationships in my life. Because in the moments of darkness, in the moments of hardship, in the moments of times where I'm a little bit insecure about who I am, insecure about how they feel, there's moments where I can look to the relationships and see the reflection of God and be reminded, man, this, sorry, I've been working out. I just think that's special, right? I think, I think that's important. And so don't go anywhere. You're going to stay up here with me because we're going to pray so you can leave that way. But just stay with me for a second. So as a church, we do the best we can to offer. Dream team, small groups. But the enemy will do everything he can to try to prevent you from getting in this space. Let me, let me don't go nowhere. Stay right there. This is so cool. For everybody, say me, say me real quick, say me, me. So, so, so your ethnicity, your age, your, your financial background, your spiritual background, doesn't matter if you've been saved, if you were born on a pew, or if you walked in your day going, I hate church. It doesn't matter which one. God has, you get a little close to Nick like you like him. Get a little close to Nick. Okay. God has, I love this, thank you, Lord. God has this space for you. I don't know who these parts are because that all depends on, you know, I mean, he's a Saints fan, so you have to be careful. You know what I mean? So I don't don't know the spots, but God, for every one of you, has this space available. And listen, it's not them that's stopping it. It's often us. I'm just too busy. I don't don't really think I, they look better than me. I don't really think I belong. They don't dress like me. They're not my color. You know, whatever whatever the reason is that we stop for getting involved in it. And God's saying, I've surrounded them around you. They care about you. They're ready to serve you, protect you, uplift you, and resource you. Why do you keep walking around it? Why do you keep positioning yourself to be alone so that the next time the world comes, you are stripped and you are beaten and you are mad because God won't be there for you. And he said, I sent them all along. And they're right there, ready to spur you. Don't stop meeting together. Stop it, right? So I just want to pray over you. And here's my prayer, that over these next few weeks, as groups launch and Grow Track Part 1 starts back up, the Spirit of God would be speaking to you and saying, hey, I brought you here not just to be a part of a church, but I brought you here to be healed and to help heal other people. And I can only do that through you in relationship. Lord, I thank you for who you are, your faithfulness. I thank you for relationships, for friends. God, I thank you for the people in my life. And and God, with every, it seems like every week you add somebody new to my life that heals me. I've got people in my life that I've known for 30 years and people I've known for three weeks and they mean the same to me. They, they heal my body. And God, you've allowed me to be able to bring healing to them. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for small groups. I'm thankful for dream teams. I'm thankful for people going out to eat. I'm thankful for every venue that we have as a church to give people relationships. 
And I want to pray right now against the devil, and I want to pray for everybody in this building that whatever has been resisting and holding them back from walking into intimate relationships with godly people, that it would be removed. That they would understand that you have an anointing and a purpose on their life, and that you brought them here for a reason. They need to let that guard down and let those people come around them and begin to spur them. And they need to understand that you've created them to spur other people. I just don't think there's any better message than that. For the individual who's in this room right now who thinks their life doesn't have a purpose, God created you on purpose because you have a purpose. That's why you're here. And there's somebody in this room that needs to hear your story. And in your story and in your strength, I, I know you've been raising a kid on your own, but it's in your strength that's going to heal another single mom. I know, I know you've been through some hard times, some, some depression, some addiction, but it's going to be the deliverance in your life that helps deliver somebody else. I know you've got some hurt. I know there's been a divorce, and I know there's been a kid who's walked away from the Lord and different things you've been through, but it's going to be that experience that you've been through that's going to help heal somebody else. And hear me, and this is a word from the Lord. In healing, helping healing other people, it heals you. Guaranteed. When God uses you in those relationships, you're going to find healing yourself. God, we don't deserve to be in your presence this morning. It's so sweet. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for relationships. But most of all, thank you for modeling it for us. I can't read about Jesus without seeing him reclining with people. Because his business was relationships. And God, if we're going to be Christians, our business has to be relationships. So we're humble before you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said.